Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Divergent by Design, a podcast that is dedicated to exploring the ways that you can use universal design for learning in your classroom. My name is Jonathan Wiley and I'm joined by my co-host, my companion, my collaborator, Lynn Kleinmeier. Hi friends, um, that was quite the introduction and <sighs> be still my heart. It was full of alliteration. I was I was super excited about the collaboration part, and yeah. now I'm all about rhyming. Apparently, yeah. so well, alliteration I, abounds. I know you like to include some vocabulary in your intros. I thought I'd, you know, one up you by like three words to describe my co-host. That's amazing. Yeah. I I feel like uh, I will have to rise to the challenge next episode and find an even more robust vocabulary term to encompass the amazingness of all that our podcast holds. Challenge accepted then. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for today. Why are you so excited for today? Okay. I'm so excited because um, today we're talking about self-regulation. So we're back in that engagement category. Mm-hmm. And this is really a spot where I was feeling that deep connection to one of my other passions, one of the reasons that I came to the UDL guidelines in the first place, social-emotional learning. Um, and so I feel like we get to really dive into it today, although the UDL guidelines highlight social-emotional learning all throughout because it's it's really about um, helping to create experiences and environments that are really going to um, support students. But today I really, I'm I'm super excited because there's some explicit connections. Yeah, I think it is one of those things that you were talking about there that we just have to teach this all the time. We have to be doing this kind of year round. It's, you know, digital citizenship. There's always times in our curriculum where these things come up and that's a teachable moment. And that's something that we need to reinforce and remind students about. So I think that social emotional learning, that self-regulation, those coping skills, all of that falls in really well to that category. Right. I'm excited because, you know, you're exactly right. It's embedded throughout the UDL guidelines, but today we get to make some explicit connections to uh, another resource that I'm super passionate about. Well, two, actually. Well, I can't wait to hear about those. I know, right? (laughs) You are all on the edges of your seats. So why don't we start then with a definition of what we're talking about when we say those words self-regulation. How are we going to define that, at least for the purposes of our conversation today? Right. Because that's, I mean, this particular component of the UDL guidelines, we're back in that, once again, that engagement piece. And this whole thing is called self-regulation. So it's about regulating the self. That's deep. Okay. So yes, that's super deep. Okay. Because I'm a word nerd, a self-professed, dissecting that just a little bit. Um, obviously, yes, it's about regulating the self, but what what about yourself are you regulating? And I really think about a lot of times the the reflection pieces. We ask our students to think about what their process was, what they've learned. Um, but self-regulation is actually much deeper and much more nuanced than that. So I kind of went down this this pathway of kind of exploring that regulation piece of, of really unpacking that. And I found this really great resource, uh, yourtherapysource.com. Um, sounds super legit, right? Mm-hmm. But I really liked um, in 
exploring all of these different definitions of self-regulation and kind of dissecting that that regulatory part, one of the things that I really liked was they were talking about it's not just about your thoughts and your behaviors, but it's really about your um, recognition of your energy states and your emotions and how all of those things package together. The the energy states, the emotions, the thoughts, and the behaviors all then manifest in how you're interacting with others and um, with the environments and the experiences that you're having. Yeah, and I think maybe from a teacher's point of view, sometimes it is easy to forget some of those other things because sometimes we associate self-regulation with, I don't know, maybe like some kind of classroom management idea Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. you're thinking, I want the kids to be behaving in my class, want them to be appropriate in my class. And, you know, the things that go along with that in order, you know, you have class rules, you have class expectations and things that you want to do to help, you know, everybody be able to have a a good learning environment that everybody can partake in and, and feel safe in. But um, like you said, those extra things, those emotions and thoughts and behaviors and other parts of that self-regulation that comes into that, that we, it's easier to overlook because we're dealing with children that are coming into our classroom with all kinds of backgrounds and experiences and home lives and things like that. And, you know, it's something that there is not always going to be visible uh, from the outside, but as we dig deeper and we form those relationships with kids, you know, it's easier to have have a better understanding of things like that. Right. That they are complex individuals. Like, and one of the things I liked about, um, this definition that I came across in this um, this website is when you start to think about that self-regulation and all of that it encompasses, and you start thinking about the discrete skills that are necessary in order to successfully self-regulate, you think about, um, they talk about developing this ability requires self-awareness, emotional intelligence, efficient filtering of sensory stimulation, coping effectively with stress, relating well to others, sustaining focus. And I think there's a lot of connections. We've talked previously about things being cyclical. Um, So there's a lot of of that that connects to previous parts of the UDL guidelines that we've discussed in previous podcasts. Um, But then when we really think about, okay, so how do we provide opportunities for our students to really develop these skills? There's a lot to that. And so Hopefully, as we explore this today, you're going to walk away with some tangible, actionable ways to kind of help build these skill sets with your students. Yeah, and that first checkpoint on there is, you know, about promoting expectations and beliefs that optimize motivation. And I think one of the things that we wanted to talk about there was in relation to teacher efficacy. Mm. Bingo. Buzzword bingo right there. I know because we've done a lot of work at at Grant Wood recently on John Hattie's uh, visible learning and teacher Mm -hmm. efficacy comes up there a lot too in terms of one of those high impact strategies. It's that ability for teachers to believe that all students can learn at high levels. And I think that is a challenging thing. I mean, it's it's something that's easy to say, Mm -hmm. but is harder to do because whether you've said it out loud or not, I know that I've had thoughts in in the past in my teaching career and thinking, 
that student's always going to struggle. So it's about having that mindset and using things like UDL to help remove those barriers to prevent students from, you know, being stuck where you have that mental position in your head. So we need to believe that all students can learn at high levels and can succeed at high levels. And that in itself, you know, can help transfer to like student efficacy too. Exactly. And, you know, I appreciate um, just your reflection that, you know, there are times where it's a struggle for students. And so when you think about our belief as teachers that, yeah, you know, we recognize it's going to be hard for this kiddo to get to whatever the, the grade level standard is. But then helping reflect and break down, it's, it goes back to that scaffolding and the supports that we have um, to provide students the stepping stones to kind of get to the, those grade level standards. And nobody said it was going to be easy. And I think that's really what this engagement um, column is really about. And now that we're here in this self-regulation, it's that reflection of, I believe I can do hard things. Um, I uh, maybe I'm a Glennon Doyle. <laughs> I'm a Glennon Doyle fan, so we can do hard things. Um, and but I also, you know, we we have to believe that we can, that we can persist, and that we can get there. Recognizing what we've said in previous conversations about it's a journey, um, but building that belief for our students. I think what you just said about that student efficacy and helping them believe that they can do hard things, not trying to remove uh, challenges for our students and not, I do think this is a a moment to talk about this um, toxic positivity because I mean, it's not just about saying to kids, oh, you got this. You're going to do it. I believe in you. It's saying you do have this. I believe in you. And here's how we're going to get there. It's not just the cheerleading. It's also being that support, that coach on the side. I was in a math classroom uh, this week and on the wall, there was a poster that said the power of yet. And it was relating back to that that growth mindset thing. I think in, in in a math classroom, especially for someone like myself, I need reminders like that, you know, and it said, I can't do it. Yet, yet. <laughs> you know, this is hard for me to do. And, and all these encouraging words on there that it was, you know, yeah, there are there is going to be struggle. There is going to be productive struggle in, in the stuff that we do. But it doesn't mean we're never going to achieve something. It just means that, you know, the road is a little rougher or rockier than we <laughs> thought it might be. Right. And I think so often we, uh, as educators, we we want our students to succeed. Um, but I love what you just highlighted there. It's one of my favorite phrases, productive struggle. We don't want to dismiss those moments where students are struggling, but we do also have to find that sweet spot. We don't want it to like, we don't want to remove all struggle because then there's no grappling with things. There's no um, grit or perseverance that begins to develop. But also we want to make sure that it doesn't, that pendulum doesn't swing too hard to the other side of like, it becomes uh, overwhelming and then it de-escalates into, you know, or escalates, I suppose, whichever way the pendulum's going or whatever metaphor I'm attempting here. Um, <laughs> but that but that it escalates to the part where it, it leads to this frustration. And so I think really an important thing to think about is how we nurture um, not only creating scaffolds and supports, but how do we nurture those coping skills and strategies and, and really 
talking about ways that we can go about teaching some self-regulation so that the kids are constantly checking in with themselves to ask where are they in this productive struggle journey. I think that leads us on to like the second checkpoint here, which is facilitating personal coping skills and strategies where we have to try and look for ways that we can help support students and give them some strategies that they can use when they aren't feeling so positive about their schoolwork. So maybe the first one that will surface here is the SEL competencies from CASEL. I know you've spent a lot of time digging into these, Lynn. Do you want to maybe talk some about those? I know, like the giddiness that's ensuing right now, because <laughs> um, I CASEL, for those of you who are not familiar, stands for the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning. Um, and so this organization really has done a lot of work about that social emotional learning piece and they've developed a framework and at the the center of that social emotional learning idea there's five core competencies they are self-awareness self-management hmm sound a little familiar mm -hmm. self-regulation kind of ideas um, and then responsible decision making relationship skills and social awareness and one of the things that I absolutely love about uh these resources that Castle has put together and this this framework is it really helps you kind of begin to think about um, what all goes into creating that social emotional learning experience that's really honoring your students and it pairs really really nicely with the UDL guidelines and I get really really excited because they have robust resources out there. Um, not only they have the cell signature practices, three signature practices playbook, which is a, an amazing, amazing resource, but they also have some amazing resources. Um, for example, and we'll make sure that these are all linked into our show notes for you, but they've got this, um, amazing compendium to the framework. That's the castle cell framework. So many of you might have seen um, that cell icon or, or graphic that has the, you know, the pie pieces. Um, but one of the things that they have done is actually created a resource that goes into a little bit more of an explanation of each of these different components, defining them, and then also talking about like ways that this might uh, surface or, or be enacted in the classroom. So when you think about this idea of self-regulation, it very, very, very closely aligns to their components of self-awareness, which is the ability to understand one's own emotions, thoughts, and values, and how they influence behavior across contexts, and also self-management, the ability to manage one's emotions, thoughts, and behaviors effectively in different situations to achieve goals and aspirations. So it's this idea of like being aware and it actually being able to um, kind of keep yourself in check, for a lack of a better term, like just kind of aware of how that will play out in the classroom. So I get super excited about these resources and their connection to the UDL guidelines. It's a it's a happy, perfect storm for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I know when you showed them to me, I was also very excited by them. I, I really love this other one that you have here in our show notes, this modeling SEL for students, because I think it's a very 
practical guide. Mm-hmm. It's something that's very easy for you to pick up and, and take a look at if you want to hone in on maybe something like that self-awareness or that self-management. You know, there's some nice, easy, actionable things you can do there uh, for your students. So things like, I don't know, modeling respectful and restorative language when addressing challenges with students. You know, what's your perspective about what happened this morning? What do you think should happen to make things right? I mean, these are all things that most of the time we we do do as teachers, but it's great to have those reminders of things on there and have them relate back to those parts of the SEL framework so that we are aligned with those things in the SEL framework to ensure that we are covering all our bases. Right. And I, I look at um, this whole list because the the idea of this particular um, resource is that you go around as a staff and you kind of start talking about ways that you model the cell competencies. And they have, as Jonathan said, tons of examples. And one of the ones in self-awareness is something super simple. Admit mistakes and say how you're going to make things right. It's little things like recognizing for yourself, um, hey, here's how my emotions are, are affecting me as your teacher in the classroom today. Like, oh my gosh, I was kind of in a rush this morning. I'm a little discombobulated. Yes, I say that all the time. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a little flustered this morning. I, I'm sorry. It's making me distracted and I'm not giving you my best self. Yeah. Give me a second to reorganize myself and come back to you. Another really easy one would be like, you know, identify and discuss your strengths and limitations. We all have strengths and weaknesses. And I think sometimes as students, we we don't like to talk about our weaknesses, but we can all embrace that we have things that we're good at and less good at. And um, definitely we as teachers can do the same as well. I mean, you know, if you're one of these teachers that your students will occasionally spot your spelling mistakes on the board, I mean, yeah, we, we can own that and move on and we can model that for our students, but also have them to start to think about the things that they are strong at and things that they are not as good at as they help to develop their own self-awareness. Yeah. I just, I love this resource because it gives you such actionable um, items that really think about the power of modeling this for our students. And so, I, you know, there it is so, so, so important um, not only to provide opportunities for students to practice this, but they, they need us mm-hmm. to kind of show them. These are not things that come naturally um, for a lot of people. And so it might be a a part where you as a teacher just need to kind of take a step back. And I think about the power of think alouds. We know how powerful that is during our instructional pieces. Like I think about math teachers doing, you know, the number talks and things like that and, and, and sharing their thought process. As a literacy teacher, I would talk about how I encountered, um, you know, different passages and what it was making me think or feel. You can do that just in general as well. And so little things like um, there's one that just talked about demonstrating that coping and calming strategy of, hey, I'm feeling a little frustrated right now. I'm going to stop, take a breath, collect myself before I take action, before I decide what to do next. So I just, I can't, I can't highlight it enough because I'm super excited. And I think there's such great resources to help scaffold us as teachers too. Yes. uh, Great places to begin and maybe some other places we could look at. Obviously, we 
are big proponents of Pear Deck here yeah, at Grand Wood. Yes. And this is another Pear Deck win. Yes, we've done lots of trainings on Pear Deck. It is free for all teachers in Iowa right now, so that's a great option. But they also have some little social-emotional check-ins that you can do with students too. It can be as simple as, you know, clicking on the right face, the green face, the red face, <laughs> the orange face. How are you feeling today? Or they have uh, other slides where it just gives students that chance to just think about where they are right now. So it's not something that you might necessarily talk to them about there and then. You're not going to stop the lesson after that first slide and say, hey, I noticed that things weren't going so well. But, you know, maybe you could catch them later in the day and have a conversation and see how you can support them. Right. I mean, this is all about the UDL guidelines in general are all about building empathy. And something as simple as that uh, allows you inside as a teacher to kind of see, oh, this kiddo, Jonathan, clicked on the frowny face today. And be mindful of that as you're going through the lesson and just kind of monitor and help with that opportunity to build some of those coping strategies or to have that check-in. Those are so, so valuable. Okay, I have to highlight another valuable resource because, you know, sharing is caring, right? Let's do it. All right. So there's an amazing, amazing resource that was put together by Digital Promise uh, called the Learner Variability Navigator. It's kind of a mouthful. Um, but one of the things I love about this resource is um, it has all of these different, really robust connections. Um, so the way it works is you go into either math or literacy and you explore these factors and there's tons of different factors, but one of um, the columns is social emotional learning. And when you look within that, one of the factors there is self-regulation. So what's really cool about this resource is when you, you dive into it and you, you click on these different components, it's very interactive but it gives you some um, context of what this particular factor is all about, the connections that it has to other things. So, you know, I love that and I love making connections. Um, it gives you some great resources to learn more, but then it also gives you some strategies uh, that are connected to that particular factor. So with self-regulation, there are tons and tons and tons of ideas. And when you look at them, um, you then can click on it and it gives you examples of what does it look like in action. I mean, this is truly a hidden gem resource that if you've never explored it, definitely take some time to kind of dive in and, and click around. Um, but it's so robust and gives you actionable things to try out in the classroom. It's one of those things I was saying that to you earlier that I know we've looked at this together as a team before. But it fell off my radar for a little while. And then revisiting it for this episode made me remember how valuable this thing really was and how practical it is. So we're giving you lots of practical resources today. I think it's one of those episodes where if you're thinking, I don't know, sometimes this self-regulation, this SEL thing, it can it can feel like one of those airy-fairy things that you can't really put your finger on. But if you have the right resources at hand, like we're trying to give you today, then you really can drill down and, and have some actionable practice right. at making this work. Right. And it gets even better because, of course, it has examples of um, each of the different strategies, but it also ties it back to the research, which I think is is valuable to know kind of the why behind 
um, why those things particularly work. Yes, research-based things are, are the things that we should be doing more of in the classroom, for sure. Just like the UDL guidelines. Yay! <laughs> I, you know, I really think about um, what you just said, Jonathan, this kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, this, um, how do I go about doing this? And and I circle back to what I said before about that self-awareness piece. Um, when we provide those opportunities for our students to um, have the space to check in with themselves. Also, part of this is encouraging self-assessment and reflection, not just about the learning, not just about the process, but about their emotional um, and mental states. Um, And so that can be really hard to do for students, um, but it can be hard for us as teachers, like providing ourselves an opportunity to really do our own personal check-ins. And by us as teachers, let me be real transparent, myself, <laughs> I'm really talking about me. Um, but I can't imagine that I'm the only one, that sometimes uh, we put our ourselves on a back burner um, because we are constantly uh, – we are working with so many students who who need us um, that remembering to check in with ourselves is is pretty valuable as well. This goes back to checkpoint 9.3 in the UDL guidelines, develop self-assessment and reflection. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Lynn, but I sometimes think that this particular part, this self-assessment or reflection part for students, we do this really well in the lower grade levels, but we don't always do it as well in the upper grade levels. I think, you know, in your K2, 3 kind of grade levels, it's like, oh, everybody's very, it's very touchy-feely and emotional <laughs> and everybody's friends and all the rest. But as we get up further up to high school, and then maybe we, we definitely do less of this and maybe we don't need to do it as often, but I think it's still an important thing to do. Yeah. You know, I guess I hadn't really considered that of why it looks different once you kind of hit in the secondary. I think about how powerful it is as an elementary teacher to be with that same group of kids all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's all sorts of opportunities built within your day. Um, And you, as the teacher, you get to know your students really, really well. And as you get to the secondary level, that time is a little bit more limited. Um, because you know, I, I think about you know the switching of schedules and things like that, and that there there gets to be this intensity focused on content, and I, I don't know that it's pervasive for everyone, but I know myself. Um, I will only speak for myself on this one, but yeah. I oftentimes forgot to take the time to provide my students that opportunity to reflect in any way, shape, or form. And generally, though, when I think about it. I ask them to reflect on the learning. I don't know that I really did a good job of providing some spaces to check in with themselves of like, how was I feeling about this today? Mm -hmm. Was I frustrated? Was I upset? Was I excited? Was I, you know, curious? Was it, you know, and, and getting to the root of like, okay, if I was frustrated, what part was frustrating to me? And how could I share that, you know, with my teacher to help me change practices? And so like, I just... If I was really excited about something, what was it that the teacher did that I really want to make sure that they continue to do? You know, I don't know that I I, I provided space for that. 
Yeah, and as we can see from things like that learner variability project, how we feel about ourselves does have an impact on our learning and, and vice versa. Our learning has an impact on, on how we feel. And there's a, there's a line here in the UDL guidelines for this checkpoint I like. It says, for many learners, merely recognizing that they are making progress towards greater independence is, is highly motivating. And we need to know that, you know, sometimes we, we are making progress. I might not be there yet. I might have had a really bad day. I might have only got one question right, but I got one question right. And yesterday I didn't get any right. So I'm making progress and I'm getting better. And I know that it's, you know, that I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just have to keep walking in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a journey. And I think that leads us nicely into our challenge for this episode. Lynn, it'd be a great segue, wouldn't it? I would. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about the power of modeling um, and, and really part of that gradual release of the UDL guidelines. We have now circled into that final layer where we are really asking our students to kind of internalize. So this is that relinquish of control, but it doesn't mean that we go away as teachers. We are super, super valuable. So as part of that, we've talked about the need to kind of um, do our own self-assessments and be able to model these, these practices for our students. So to help support this for you as an educator, we have included the Castle Cell Personal Reflection. And what we really challenge you to do is to download this resource and go through and do a self-assessment. What they've done is they've taken those core competencies and they've broken them into a little bit more of the discrete um, ideas and then develop some I can statements that it's meant to be just this quick check-in with yourself. So for example, under self-awareness, they have a category of emotional self-awareness. And the first statement is, I can identify and name my emotions in the moment. And then you rate yourself on very difficult, difficult, easy, or very easy. So we just would encourage you, if nothing else, to check in with yourself on the self-awareness and the self-management portions as they directly relate to the self-regulation that we've been talking about today. But of course, we would encourage you to do the whole self-assessment if you have time. And you were telling me off air as well that this was designed for adults, but in some ways you could tweak parts of it or change some of the language and use something like that with students. Absolutely. I, I very much think that you could. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of parts where I think, yes, you would you would need to transition it into a little bit more student-friendly language. But what a powerful resource to be able to have your students go through this too. And then you could have a conversation about, you know what, I recognize for myself that this particular part is really tough. So that's what I'm going to work on and have your students do a little bit of that reflection too. Yeah. Set some personal goals. Oh, I feel like it's all coming together, Jonathan. Yes, it is. All right. As always, friends, we hope that this particular challenge and the episode itself have provided you with some grounding and will help you keep growing. Our music for the podcast is What's the Angle by Shane Ivers of SilvermanSound.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 international license. 